Welcome to Beat Cancer, the official podcast of the UC Davis Comprehensive Cancer Center. Thanks for joining us today as we have in-depth discussions of the science, research, and advancements taking place at our National Cancer Institute designated Comprehensive Cancer Center. I'm Chris Joyce. And I'm Stephanie Wynn. We will also examine proactive approaches to cancer prevention and most importantly, how we are breaking barriers to beat cancer in our community and beyond. Today, we are talking about shared resources available to the researchers at the Cancer Center. And we're speaking with Dr. Kent Lloyd, a distinguished professor in the Department of Surgery and the Associate Director for Shared Resources. Hello, Dr. Lloyd. Hello, very nice to be here today. Thank you for the invitation. I should also add that Dr. Lloyd is um, the director of the Mouse Biology Program, too. Um, first, Dr. Lloyd, let's let's get into uh, the nuts and bolts of what shared resources is all about and uh, why it's so important to researchers. Yeah, good question. Well, shared resources, another way of describing them uh, would be cores or research cores. And, and basically what they do is they provide access uh, by researchers to state-of-the-art technologies, equipment, reagents, instruments, and other services to support their research activities. And they do that uh, and charge a fee uh, to the user. Um, so uh, they really do help to promote and advance science, um, helps researchers to focus on their work that they're the expert, expert on, and not have to deal with issues and activities that they they may not be very familiar with, but that the uh, resources can then uh, provide them help with. Can you give us some examples of shared resources? Uh, uh, sure. Um, in the Cancer Center, we have eight shared resources that are funded by the Cancer Center Support Grant. Um, there's the Biostatistics Shared Resource, which as the name implies, provides uh, statistical support to investigators who are planning cancer research projects, research projects, um, and also um, helping them analyze those projects uh, at the end. We have uh, another shared resource, the in vivo translational imaging shared resource. That's a mouthful. Um, And what that does is provides very sophisticated advanced imaging technologies to be able to uh, view uh, cancer uh, developing in animal species that are used as models for uh, the human uh, the human condition, and and there's several other shared resources as well. You know, I, I I might add that the shared resources are very important in general because they provide you know immediate access to as I mentioned cutting edge tools and technologies. The, the kinds of things that are usually rather expensive and require expertise that's not usually present in individual labs. Um, and it's very specialized uh, uh, tech, technical capabilities that are needed to operate uh, these, these instruments or provide these services. It also provides a lot of operational efficiency, both scientifically and financially uh, for, for the researcher. Um, and, and the very important thing is that it does more than just provide a service and then charge for it. It's what we call a force multiplier. So a force mort- multiplier has to be aligned with the strategic objectives of the institution. So our cancer center shared resources are fully aligned with the goals and the 
um, the objectives of what our cancer center is trying to do. And, and, and it does that by enabling faculty recruitment, faculty retention. It, it, it drives, acquires, and maintains cutting edge or other uh, sorts of technologies. Uh, it promotes interactions, collaborations across the in institution. It enables education and training in advanced, advanced technologies to actually to start even um, careers of technical folks who want to go into this area. And importantly, it accelerates discoveries and translational research to human and animal health. How do these work in conjunction with each other? I mean, does a researcher need to start with one and then go through every single shared resource, or they can they pick and choose depending on what their their needs are? Yeah, great question. So there, each of the shared resources are designed around a specific theme, as I mentioned already, biostatistics and the imaging. Um, and an investigator can use any of those shared resources that are needed for their particular research project. Um, and each shared resource provides a, a vast array of different services or products or technologies. And a researcher can go in and pick and choose a la carte which of those things they want to have access to and to use. So there's no set methodology for it. It's really, um, you know, it's, it's completely open and available to cancer center members doing cancer research. Now, even those these shared resources may also conduct work for other type of uh, disease areas. If it's from the cancer center, those cancer center researchers get a subsidy when using the shared resource. They also get prioritized access to the shared resource over others that may be using that. So that way, the investment of the cancer center into these shared resources is is there's a return on that investment to the cancer center researcher because they they do get a little bit a uh, little bit off the cost of what it would normally cost for somebody not at the cancer center as well as uh, get first come first serve. And uh, getting back to let's say the the mouse uh, models it was a term I had to sort of learn when I joined the cancer center. Um, this is. You know, typically when we talk about uh, animal uh, laboratory uh, resources, we're talking about our mouse biology program, correct? And can we talk about just to head off any concerns that the public might have about um, how these animals are cared for? Can you address some of the conditions, the environment that our mice are kept in? Sure. Well, number one, uh, animal health and welfare is at the very top of our um, uh, actions and and uh, approaches when we use animals in research. First, we only, whether it's a mouse or any other animal, we only use the animal when it's absolutely necessary and no other alternatives exist. That's, that's actually prima facie, very first thing that we consider. Um, and then the animals are maintained in a a very controlled environment with restricted access only to trained personnel. They're attended to on a daily basis and many times, multiple times per day. They have free access to food and water, clean bedding. Their cages are changed on a regular basis. They have veterinary care. Um, uh, and so um, I, I think the, the public really needs to understand that um, 
as researchers, and I include in that that I use animals in research, we take the you know the the fact that we're using an animal for research very very seriously, and only want to do that when it's absolutely necessary. And you brought up uh, Stephanie, you brought up the issue about the mouse, and certainly we do use mice in cancer research. Um, and one of the really the uh, one of the the most uh, successful ways we've used the mouse <clears throat> is in a system called a a PDX mouse or the patient derived xenograft. And what that refers to is using a, uh, a, uh, an immune deficient mouse. That's a mouse that no longer can uh, react to human tissues or foreign tissues. And we're able to transplant small pieces of human t tumors just under the skin, uh, in most cases of these mice, and then observe it growing and what that allows us to do is to be able to test different chemotherapeutic agents or other cancer interventions against that tumor in the mouse in parallel with what's being done in the patient. Now, why? Well, we might not know exactly what's the best intervention or the best drug to use in the patient, but we can test many different kinds and combinations in the mouse that has this has been made a PDX. And by doing that, if the mouse responds better to one intervention than another, then that can be picked up and used in the patient. So there are several examples of that uh, over the past years. And so the use of the mouse uh, in this area of research has really been transformative in delivering cancer therapy. You had mentioned that members or those that access uh, the shared resources, they, they pay the fee, but they also get um, priority access and things like that. Is that the only way that these shared resources are funded is through the use or do they have an external grant or any, any other type of additional funding? Yeah, another great question. Uh, because if you think about it, these shared resources are led by researchers. Mm -hmm. um, and so those researchers have their own research activity. So in addition to that research activity, some of them decided, you know, I want to also serve the community. And so they produce and direct and lead these shared resources. Well, where it's hard enough to get funding for their own research, where are they going to get the funding for the shared resource? So the Cancer Center, through the Cancer Center Support Grant, which is funded by the National Cancer Institute, provides a portion of support for these shared resources. As you mentioned already, a user that uses the services, technologies, products, whatever from the shared resource, then will pay a fee for that. Again, it's somewhat subsidized, but they pay a fee. Now, the director of the shared resource and the scientists within it will also write their own grants to support that shared resource. And they'll also have contracts in order to bring funding in for doing specific projects. They also oftentimes rely on gifts uh, from the public in order to fund their activities. Um, so there's really a number of ways, a number of different uh, pots of funds that as a shared resource director, I'm always going after to, to try to keep, keep us in business. Because, you know, you, you might think, you know, why do that? Why don't just focus on your research and not help others? But I, just like many of these other shared resource directors, we, I don't know, we have this, we have a good feeling being able to do this because we know that even though it's harder for us and it makes us, you know, do a little bit extra work, 
we're really helping the activity of other cancer center researchers really working on finding cures for cancer. So it really makes us feel good. And uh, shared resources are a critical component of our NCI designation as a comprehensive cancer center, uh, correct? I mean, uh, this is uh, essential for our ability to um, execute our, our research and the clinical trials that we have available at the cancer center. Talk to us about what you see on the horizon as being the next big, exciting uh, addition to our shared resources? Well, I, I only went over uh, two of the, of the eight shared resources. We have one that's currently what we're calling a developing shared resource. That's the immune monitoring uh, shared resource. And what that does is it provides analysis of, of patient cells in order to determine how are they responding how, how are they uh, changing, transforming uh, during cancer? How are they responding to treatments and so on? So we're hoping that that shared resource continues to develop so that here in a couple of years, we might be able to make it a full-fledged, fully supported shared resource. So that, that's probably the number one on the list. There's also um, uh, other ideas that we've had for shared resources that are still in the formulative stages. Um, and one would be a bioinformatics and a computing shared resource. And, you know, everybody's now talking about chat, GPI, and, and all that. Um, and this could be another area that we are thinking about investing in because these are the, this is the kind of uh, technology that, you know, most of us aren't very familiar with, um, but is going to become exceedingly important in order to make sense of the enormous amount of data that's being generated and being able to put that together quickly, cohesively, and in a strategic manner to be able to use it and implement it for cancer care. So those are two of the new ideas that we've had in terms of developing new shared resources. That's outstanding. Every type of access that a researcher uses with the shared resources, does that have a direct patient benefit to it? You know, it's a continuum. Um, Users, all cancer center researchers, um, obviously their ultimate goal is to improve how we treat cancer and to reduce the incidence of cancer, right? Mm -hmm. But in order to get there, we may have some researchers that are doing very, very basic research in cells or looking at molecular pathways and that, that in the, in the immediacy don't have that direct impact on patient health. And then all of the way at the other end, such as in, oh, let's say our genomic shared resource, which can actually take a patient sample, do sequencing of that sample, identify mutations in the genomic sequence, perhaps find a target that can be treated by a drug tomorrow, that has a very direct impact then on a cancer patient's. So it really is the full spectrum. And I think that's very important. And as you mentioned, um, and, and Stephanie mentioned, is that um, the, the shared resources are a critical component of this cancer center. It's, it really, in the different funding components for the grant, shared resources are the largest of that funding component. So that just goes to show you, even the National Cancer Institute feels that that's a very important part of our cancer center. So it's important that our, our shared resources are designed and developed and organized across that entire spectrum, everything from the very basic biology, looking at molecular pharmacology or combinatorial chemistry, to the more applied research like flow cytometry and so on, all the way 
at the very end, that like the immune model monitoring shared resource or the biorepository even where samples can be deposited and then accessed by researchers to do studies, which may go back to the basic research studies, right? So it's very, very important that they cover that entire spectrum. Well, and I think that's important to understand that while maybe some of that basic research that's being done doesn't have a direct impact on a patient in the immediacy, it informs everything down the line, which then does have a direct patient. And so, like you said, oh, absolutely. the continuum. A absolutely. Right. Without, without basic research, we wouldn't have the quote-unquote translational research. And if we only focus on translational research, research well, if translational research is, is important, it really has to have the foundation. It's like building a house. You need that strong foundation and you want to continue to expand the, the house. Um, you need to build that strong foundation in order to do that. So. And Dr. Lloyd, most of these shared resources are located on the Davis campus, correct? The Cancer Center itself is on the Sacramento campus, but there's some exciting news ahead with Aggie Square, which is a new research hub that is being, uh, that's under construction on the Sacramento campus. Talk to us about how that's going to um, really serve as a, a wonderful new home for shared resources. Yes, well, I, I'm glad you brought that up. It, it's true that you know, we have we have a very interesting campus where uh, a lot of our activities are on the Davis campus, but of course our hospital or cancer center, and more and more researchers are on the Sacramento campus. Well, that's a you know a sixteen mile divide between those two campuses, and it's sometimes it's hard um, to bridge that divide. Um, so some of our shared resource activities are on the Davis campus, some of them are on the Sacramento campus, some of them even have a footprint on both campuses. Now, the Aggie Square is going to really be very helpful for a couple of reasons. One is some of our shared resources are in Sacramento, but not on the main campus. So they're in leased space, off-campus space, not the optimum environment. So some of those are going to be moving into Aggie Square. Secondly, some of our shared resources that are on the Davis on the Sacramento campus um, are really in restricted environments. They just don't have enough space. So moving at Aggie Square will be able to give them that added space. Thirdly, we have one shared resource that has tremendous advanced technologies present only on the Davis campus, nothing on the Sacramento campus. And so we're finding them access and space there in Aggie Square to give them a presence for the use by cancer center researchers in Sacramento. And fourthly, What's the point of Aggie, having Aggie Square there anyway is to interface with the public. So isn't it great now that we'll have these advanced technologies, these experts, all of these things, we're much closer now aligned with the public. So even closer and closer to fulfilling that goal of, you know, re reducing the incidence of cancer and, and end up treating cancer better than we do now. I can hear the excitement in your voice, Dr. Lloyd. Ed, uh, I'm sure you are um, really thoroughly enjoying the whole planning stage. Um, Aggie Square opens, I think, in two years. Is that correct? I, I think so. But, the, you know, I think they've already uh, put the top floor on. The glass is going in. It's, it's, looking, it's looking beautiful. So, yes, I'm very excited about the, the potential and the opportunities there. That's great. Uh, Dr. Lloyd, is there anything else that maybe we haven't covered or touched upon that you feel would be uh, great uh, for our listeners to understand? Well, I, you know, maybe just one thing. I, I, I want to make sure that everybody gives a, a good 
a sense of the different flavors of shared resources we have because I only really mentioned two or three of them. And there's eight plus one with the develop. So let me go through them one more time. There's the biostatistics shared resource. There's the imaging shared resource. There's an interesting one called combinatorial chemistry and chemical biology. And that's led by Dr. Kit Lamb, who's really been a pioneer in the area of this one bead, one compound chemistry. So able to screen millions of compounds to looking for that one needle in the haystack possible uh, treatment for a specific cancer. There's the flow cytometry shared resource, the biorepository shared resource, molecular pharmacology shared resource that conducts pharmacokinetic uh, and pharmacodynamic studies. Uh, the mouse biology shared resource, which is the one that I direct myself, uh, the genomic shared resource, and then as I mentioned, the immune monitoring uh, shared resource. So I can think your, um, your listeners can uh, glean from that uh, list of the really the, the wide variety of things that we have available for cancer center members to use, the depth of expertise in a number of different areas that are available that the researchers just cannot have in their own laboratories. Um, and again, we, we're all working all the time to try to improve what we do uh, so we serve researchers the best, best we can. Very impressive. All right, thank you, Dr. Lloyd, for joining us. And we thank you for tuning in and listening today. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us directly at beatcancer at ucdavis.edu. Beat Cancer is a production of the UC Davis Comprehensive Cancer Center. For more information on our NCI-designated Comprehensive Cancer Center, please visit health.ucdavis.edu slash cancer.